Podcast Movies Edition, presented by Phil Hinton. Hello and welcome to the Movies Review Podcast. Coming up, it's the return of the Mac. Plus, we look at Jason and the Argonauts, Predator and Astro Boy, which have been reviewed recently. And joining me this month on the podcast is Mark Simon, and for the first time in 2010, Chrissy Boy. Good evening, guys. Hello. Evening, Hello. Phil. And uh, this is the review uh, edition of the podcast, so we're going to go through uh, a couple of reviews that have been done recently on the site, and uh, this is likely to run at a few hours long. <laughs> you guys know the pain that we're going to go through in this. Anyway, let's kick things off, and let's start with Jason and the Argonauts. So, guys, give us your uh, your thinking and your thoughts on uh, the new edition. Our thinking and our thoughts. God, you are comprehensive, you, aren't you? Well, I reviewed this. Uh, this was a film that I, I desperately wanted to see. Massive fan of Ray Harryhausen and stuff, and an even bigger fan of, of this particular story. We all love Seven Voyages Sinbad, but Jason the Argonauts is, for, for me, it, it's the one that really does it. It's terrifying. Talos, harpies, skeletons. Oh, my God, the skeletons. Kill, kill, kill them all. It's absolutely um, jaw-dropping stuff. Now, it's had several versions, obviously, on, on, on disc before and on video, and the, the uh, Criterion Laserdisc was obviously um, a huge, big um, improvement on anything that's been seen before, and it's one that Harry House naturally approved of himself and endorsed. And believe you me, I wish I actually had that, <laughs> that disc right now, because um, there are certain elements of this movie which have been very contentious over the years i.e. the day for night sequences which have been darkened, lightened darkened, lightened over various versions and incarnations um, now I've seen the Criterion Laserdisc and, but it was years ago and I cannot remember how it looked to be honest and it wasn't my copy and the guy that, who had it I don't speak to anymore so I had a problem there from what I can gather from this, and I tried to do a lot of research on this one uh, when it came out, and there wasn't a lot of people that really knew what they were talking about. Um, now, the scenes in question, I mean, you guys, I, I presume you're all familiar with the movie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the pinnacle of the Greek myths on, on screen, <clears throat> because we won't talk about the new Clash of the Titans, will we? Uh, no. Absolutely not. We have let's, done, and uh, that's that's enough. Not, enough of that. Let's not talk any more about that one. Um, but this was a just just tremendous good fun. Anyway, um, the scenes in question are the opening shot of the in, initial uh, prophecy for him. Um, I've forgotten the name of the, um, the swine who's going to take over uh, Thessaly, <laughs> but you know what I mean. The opening scene, um, the main scene is a harpy sequence with Patrick Troughton as the old, the old blind seer. Always love yep. that a blind seer. Um, and then, of course, you've got the where Jason is plotting to enter Colchis at the end to actually steal the Golden Fleece. Uh, and there's various other little bits and bobs around there, but they are the main sequences. But the pivotal one is the Harpy sequence. Now, for many, many times, this has been shown where it's been broad daylight where the Argonauts actually capture the Harpies. Now, in this version, it certainly isn't daytime. It is. It's not, it's not thick black night either, but it's... It's very dark. It looks convincing. And the thing is, the first sequence where you see Patrick Troughton being harassed and tormented by the harpies, well, that is daylight. So when the Argonauts arrive and chase them off and then they find out what the score is and they, they agree to help Phineas, the blind seer, um, and who will, help, who will then help them on the way of their quest to get the, the Golden Fleece, the transition then from night, sorry, from day to night makes sense. It's logical. I've seen people writing on other forums already saying that that is wrong, but I don't remember the film first coming out. I've seen it on the cinema on re-releases when I was a kid, but I can't comment on how it looked then. I don't remember. And I can't remember how the, uh, the Criterion Laserdisc actually appeared in those sequences. But this looks right to me, and it's not the same as the uh, Region 1 DVD, which I've got. 
that looks different again. But you know, it, I I think I think this is right. This is this is spot on. And the other sequences again are darker where they should be, lighter where they should be. So I think it makes sense. I think this is um, a transfer which has been taken from a properly restored and meticulously looked at um, restoration. And I think there was actually comments in in the Guardian, I think it was, something to do with Ray Harryhausen's 90th birthday. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the, the crew responsible for this transfer actually said, we, we we, we, you know, we spared no expense in trying to get this to match the original um, theatrical print. So I'm going to go with that. I think it looks fine. Another element would be the fact that, uh, and purists will argue with this, and although I think it's rather a redundant argument, there's some wire removal has, been, has, taken, has, has taken place. Again, this is the harpy sequence specifically. During the first moment when you, you meet the harpies, if you go back to any DVD version or VHS version before that, you are going to quite plainly see the wires hoisting them up. Um, this version, rather fabulously, the, the wires have gone, but nor is there any smearing or any uh, digital effect where you can see, oh, they've removed something there, but we can see traces of what they've done. That's not there either. So I, I, I think you really can't you know, argue with this, this transfer. It's just tremendous. And the film, of course, is an absolute winner. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I think I've got to agree with you there that a bit of wire removal, you, you can't moan about that. Because um, if Harryhausen had the technical ability at the time when it was made, they wouldn't have been there. Exactly. But you do get yeah. people who say, oh, no, it was in the film to begin with, and I want this to be exactly the way I remember it, exactly the way it was filmed at the time. Mo- movies are, especially in this day and age, um, a malleable substance. You, know, you, can, you can change, you can go in, you can put scenes in which, you, you know, you, which didn't fit first time around. You can chop and change it. And really speaking, who are we to argue with the people in, in charge of doing that? If they've got, if they've got the, you know, the um, authorization to do it, the director wants to do it. Oh, okay, George Lucas maybe stepping outside the bounds, really yeah. in certain respects. Yes. But yeah. you know, for a film like this, if it's it's simple modifications which do improve the movie, you know, you, you can't go wrong with that, surely. Yeah, I and I expect my check off Mr. Harryhausen and, <laughs> and, and, and Sony <laughs> tomorrow morning. <laughs> it's uncanny that you get, you got the voice just right as well, because that's exactly how they sound. <laughs> well, they've been in their company for Even when they're writing in forums, that's exactly how they sound. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. They, they're, they're, some people are, are ridiculous when it comes to this. Uh, but, you know, it, it just all... It, it all Depends on where you draw the line, though, surely. I mean, for some people, I suppose, they could see uh, a certain amount of charm in seeing the wires and the like. Yeah, you know, for, for, for some sure. films, it, it's, the, it's the little mistakes that people like to see, you know, stormtroopers banging their heads and the like. Which is always kept in, of course. Um, it's funny you mentioned this because um, when I talk about Predator a bit later on, there's a very key element with Predator, a very famous uh, mistake, which I've always, always loved and I actually genuinely miss. Now it's not in. Hasn't been the last. It wasn't in the last DVD version, and it certainly isn't in the, uh, the Blu-ray version now. But we'll come on to that a bit later on. But it's the same argument. Um, the things that you grew up with, things that you've always loved and noticed before. Uh, yeah, for sure, some of it works. It, it's a, it's a, it's a grey area again, isn't it? But why is in an effects movie like that where you know you're meant to suspend your disbelief? Well, that ruins that, doesn't it? Okay, there's charm there, but really speaking did they want you to see them no surely not and does a film, is the film improved because they're not there yes it is but take that to the nth degree and and Harryhausen perhaps if one day he goes senile and decides that in fact he wanted all of his things to look you know CG or something there'd be absolute uproar you know there there is I still think there's an argument to say once it's done once it's in the can and it's off to the cinema leave it well enough alone you know I I I don't mind, um, you know, some of the earlier Harryhausen releases where, you know, he approved colorized versions. It was always good because you had the black and white version as well. And I think yeah. what people are a little disappointed about is that when there's, people are talking about seamless branching and, you know, why can't they keep in some of the scenes with the wires, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, no, that's, that's, that's a good argument. That. If, if, you, if the purists want to have that version, the warts and all, um, really grainy, black and white version with loads of wires, fine, yeah. I, I've got no argument with that at all. But also, if you, if you want to 
go back in and have a little, you know, sort around and get these things that you never could quite get sorted out first time round. You're not changing the film. You're not changing the story. You're not adding little bits here, there, and everything. Like again, Mr. Lucas, we've been looking at you. But um, you're just streamlining and making more um, amenable and more, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, believable, you know, uh, the version in which you always wanted to have out there. The one thing that always gets me, always winds me up, uh, especially when you're talking about film fans in inverted commas on forums, is when they always say, well, it didn't look like that at the cinema, and they're talking about a film that hasn't had a theatrical run in 30 years. Yeah. How the hell do you know what it looked like? I know, yeah. Well, it's the internet, though, isn't it, mate? I mean, this is what happens. You're going to get you're going to get these people coming out of the woodwork who claim to have absolute unparalleled knowledge of every every film they've ever seen. I, you, you can't remember. <laughs> I, I, I saw Jason the Argonauts. I saw that Criterion disc and was absolutely amazed by it. This is a film I'd seen on TV numerous times when it was um, slightly it was wrongly formatted and top of Taylor's head was always missed off certain shots. Um, but the Criterion one was rectified all that. I saw it on the big screen as well, and I was very, very, you know, impressed by it. But can I remember those sequences? No, <laughs> no, well, that wasn't that long ago. The, the weird thing is, though, I mean, as maybe some of you guys are the same, and certainly a lot of um, film fans at the moment, um, home theatre buffs are the same as well. When you watch a film to flicks these days, especially if you're going to be re- re- reviewing this thing at some point, you do pay a lot of attention to it. Yeah. But then again, you know. You're basing it on what could be a very lousy projection or a very lousy print that you're looking at. I remember watching um, Sherlock Holmes and it was possibly the worst, uh, trans- worst print I've seen of a movie at the flicks for a hell of a long time. It was disgusting to watch. A lot of it was actually unintelligible. And the weird thing about that was um, looking on the forums, um, again, this side, this side of the pond down in, in the States, a lot of people were saying the same thing. As if, like, maybe the theatrical copy was actually terrible <laughs> across the board. So, I don't know. You see, the thing that, that I think always debunks the argument of, well, it didn't look like that in the cinema, because I remember, you guys know that I calibrate TVs on a, on a daily basis here mm-hmm. when I'm reviewing stuff. And, and unless I've got the reference point, you know, I've been doing this three, four, maybe five years now, you, you can see you get used to a, an accurate image, but I still need a reference point. Yeah. Uh, when I come to evaluating um, exactly how close uh, that TV picture is, and and that's taken into account all the graphs and all everything else, the measurements and so on, it can look brilliant on a piece of paper, but you've really got to check it. Um, so when these people say that that's the wrong shade of red and that's the wrong shade of blue, and and th- I'm sorry, but unless it's completely over the top, oversaturated. You can't tell the difference unless you have a reference point um, no, exactly. bang next to it. So, you know, I, I have respect for people who love films and who, you know, they want the very best and all the rest of it, but unless they have the reference point sitting next to it that they can make comparisons on in real time as a film's running, then I'm sorry, but that argument, even for somebody who's so used to seeing accurate images, I still have to refer to a reference point. The guys in the studio that are doing the 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 update on the film they still need a reference point so you know that that kind that kind of blows the argument a little bit I think yeah cool but you got people as well who just want to shoot things down anyway because that's what they thrive on and you're going to get that with this it's a, it's a niche market full of people with um, extremely you know um, extended egos shall we say and large egos but we you know we all come across this anyway but anyway Jason the Argonauts um, it's a great picture. Obviously, it's one of those that, because of the nature of the way that Ray Harryhausen filmed it, you know, the dynamation, the sandwiching of um, the effect, the model within inside, the frame at the back with the real live action, frame at the front with live action, and the stop motion animation in the middle, and then you know you've got the really grainy shot, pure effect shots, and then you cut straight back to um, a scene of you know the actors, uh, and they look really good. There's a couple of you know to prove that this is absolutely high, high def stuff. Again, you go back to the um, the harpy sequence when Patrick Charlton is being attacked initially. Yeah, it's grainy, it's smudgy, it's slightly blared. It's still better than, better than anything you've seen before of this movie. But then you cut to a frame or a couple of couple of shots of Charlton on his own crawling back into the temple for protection, and it, it, the texture on the um, the pillars of the the temple, 
the grass, his his robes, his face, his hair. You know, it, that is pristine. It, lo- it looks glorious. It doesn't, you know, obviously compare to a brand new movie filmed, you know, you know, only yesterday. But it looks, you can see, oh yeah, high def. And then you go back to the effect shot again. But I think most people picking up a Ray Harryhausen movie, you know, they're not, not stupid. They know they're going to expect certain things from this. They're going to appreciate and understand how, how it's been filmed. And, uh, and then they're going, to get, they're going to get lost in the whole fabulous adventure of Jason and the Argonauts anyway. It's got skeletons, for God's sake. Oh, what? and of course, the colour timing's now correct with the, um, the creatures too, i.e. the Hydra. It's green with a livid red gob and tongue and fangs and all that. Uh, of course, it was a grey, smudgy, stupid thing initially, but uh, now it looks, uh, it looks fabulous. It all looks fabulous. Jason kicks ass in the ancient world. You mentioned the skeletons and uh, talking about wire removal and stuff like that. I can't remember where I saw this documentary. I'm sure it was a special effects thing with ILM or something like that. And they were talking about stop motion. Um, I think it might have been on a Jurassic Park extra or a documentary or something like that because they were talking about at one point they were going to do the dinosaurs as stop motion. Yeah. Um, and that was before Lucas, uh, not Lucas, Spielberg got to see the um, uh, the work that ILM had, had done up for him. Uh, they prepped up some work with some new technology they had. But they were talking about the skeletons and the fact that because it's done stop motion, there's no blur. If you were to try and do it photoreal, you would have to add in the blur as the skeleton moves. Because yeah, obviously I film, see what you mean. Film yeah. Shot yeah, at motion, yeah. yeah, film shot at 24 frames per second, so you're going to get that blur as somebody moves their arm or whatever. Um, and they were actually talking about having to go back and add that in to give it uh, that realism mm-hmm. and, and all the rest of it. Now, you've got to ask... It was made stop motion, leave it stop motion, or do you go back and you add it in to make it a little bit more realistic? No, no. I mean, it's one thing saying remove the wires to you know keep that ball of you know disbelief going, of belief, sorry, going. Um, but when you look at it, you know damn well this is stop motion stuff, and you accept that, but you're swallowed up by the story. To make those skeletons actually seem photorealistic, and their movements coinciding with the actors would probably be extremely di- you know, distressing to watch. <laughs> but um, they, they look glorious as they are. You know, you, you appreciate what's gone into this. Let's be, let's be honest, I mean, how, how many days, weeks, months did Ray Harryhausen spend on his own in a laboratory, in his workshop, in his, you know, his, his own film studio, coordinating each of those skeletons? One of which, incidentally, is from um, the one from Sinbad and the... Assembled your Sinbad, sorry. Although Ray Harryhausen has forgotten which one it actually was. Although he's he's got all the skeletons there, he's forgotten which is the actual one from the two movies. But um, you know that labour of love. Most film buffs are going to completely adore and worship him just for that. You know, and to make it more realistic, to streamline it, you know, it it would be wrong. That 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 would be wrong. That's going. That's going the George Lucas route. That that's going too far. There is a balance to be met, and I think everyone's got their own individual balance where they like the film film lines to be drawn. I'm perfectly happy with with the version that's out now. It's basically unmolested. You've got no DNR on it. You've got a bit of wire removal taking place just to enhance the believability of the the particular sequence. And the day for night scenes look better, look more realistic. They're more logical. Um, The skeleton fight and... And the high, the high, actually, the fight with the Hydra does look a little bit um, smoother. So obviously, there's a there's a great shot which always looks tremendously fake, where the camera is looking over the top of the, the Hydra's seven heads, and in the background you've got Jason. He's uh, maneuvering around as this as this thing with us, like literally sitting on top of the Hydra, sort of move around to you know to corner him. And I swear to God, that looks that looks a lot better now. It looks smoother than I've seen it before. Again, it's this distinction, isn't it? Where are you going to draw the line? You know, but I think they've done a bang-up job on this. And it, it's just... It's great. I love I loved Jason the Argonauts. I might get tattooed with it, in fact, I think. <laughs> um, you know, I, ju- I just think... As Chris says, everyone draws the lines somewhere slightly differently. Everyone's sure that someone who goes a step further is going a step too far. Um... For me, I, I think it, it's fair enough to say he didn't want the the wires there in the first place, and so if he wishes to to 
get rid of them now, then that's that's fine. But then you, you start going down that road of, well, had he had the ability to add in blur to the skeletons, would he have added it back then? And so yeah. it's it's you're going down a very dangerous road there. Yeah, that's, and, you that's know. dangerous. I mean, he wouldn't have even thought about that then. Yeah, exactly. That That's the point. It wasn't even a consideration. So therefore, you know, I think it's where I draw the line is what he originally intended to do. If he orig- if he didn't want the wires to be seen and he's got the chance to, to actually realise his original vision, then that's fair enough. But it, it's things like, you know, Lucas adding things that you start to question whether he's come up with in the interim years. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're lucky that Harry Howes is still alive and he's still um, you know, pretty much Compass Mentis. I mean, he, he's delivered a brand new commentary track on this, um, which is well worth listening to. I mean, he's, he's still very articulate. He's, he still remembers a hell of a lot about it. Um, and for, for a guy of his ripe old age now, you'd be beginning to wonder if he could actually, you know, still remember each particular manipulation of a skeleton's body that he, that he did. Um, now, I don't know for a fact if he did endorse this transfer. I, I, this is what I was trying to find out, and I still don't know, but I find it hard to believe that he hasn't authorised this. I and know that said, he worked on the... Sorry, but I know that he worked on the colorization process because yeah. I did um, Earth versus Flying Saucers and um, yeah. came from beneath the sea. And I did um, 20 million miles to Earth. Yeah, and, and so he's worked pretty extensively on those. It's true. He's also he also authorised the um, the colorization of she. As well, yeah, which he didn't work but, on, but <laughs> yeah. but they all looked. But he can't you know, keep his hands off, can he? <laughs> no, but again, there, there's a there's an example of, you know, had they had the the money to to film them in color, the early films, they would have done so. They would have done it. Yeah, you're dead right there. Yeah. So I mean, you, you really can't fault them. And the thing is, they haven't gone glaringly OTT with the colorization anyway. They look pretty. They look pretty good to me. They don't. They're not horribly vibrant. They haven't gone over the top with it. You know, they, they, it's reasonable. It's it's. See, I remember um, the Thinking of the World, John, not the John Connor one, the original um, Howard Hawks, Christian Nyby version. Um, now they colorized that, and I thought, oh dear God, you know, this wasn't meant to be in color. What have you done with this? When I got it. And, yeah, I will concede any arguments about that because it wasn't meant to be. But what they did do, and I've got a lot of colour stills from on the set of that movie, books in that movie, um, and not touched up ones, if you know what I mean. And the, the, the colour seems to coincide with this. So what, they've, what I gather they've done, they've gone through all these stills, they've gone through every bit of research they could possibly get, and they try to match it in, and it looks like a film, a colour film, from that period or just after that period. And the colours are, are toned down respectably enough. People are going to hate me for saying this because it, you know, there's a lot of people who just, no, it should never have been done. Well, I watched it and I quite liked it. <laughs> I quite liked that bit. Apart from one thing, it was bloody shorter. Why was that? They actually cut it down. I don't understand that. Going off, t- off tangent there, but why did they cut down the colourised version of Things from the World? That doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway. Uh, but it means that you know, colourising old black and white movies isn't always going to be a bad thing. Contentious, oh dear. Is, yeah. But, you know, it's, not, it's an option, well, isn't why it? Why didn't you've always got the black and white one on the same disc so you can always well, go back? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course. Then you've got the best of both worlds. You can take your choice. Well, I'll turn your colour down. Oh, I'll turn your colour down. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I think one of the world is another favourite movie of mine. Um, I've always adored it. I've reviewed it I think, a couple of times on our site. Um, and I've, I mean, got banged on about it many, many times. But I've seen and I've I've got a collection of over forty stills from that movie, which are all all in colour. Um, and you know, when you see the makeup for the James Arnes, the thing basically, uh, and you see how, how it, it's vivid, it's different. Black and white one doesn't give any of that away at all. So it's it's nice from a possibly you know a, a besotted fan like myself. It's from my point of view, it's great to see that version. Um, but it's also wonderful to have the version in which it was the one that was meant to be out. So, you know, it's, again, we're in this grey area, aren't we? There's ne- never going to be a hard and fast standard on this. <laughs> well, one other title that is uh, caught in controversy at the moment is the new Predators, guys. So uh, uh-huh. this is another disc which has been up for review. So what did we think? 
Well, a lot of you have probably seen the, uh, the screen grabs of this and gasped in dismay at the wax on, wax off. What the hell have they done here? You know, the DNR pushed up to 100. And, and then you may have thought, well, they're screen grabs. You can't really put a lot of stock in those. Let me see it in, in full motion. It's going to look a diff- little bit different, isn't it? I'm sorry, folks. This looks atrocious. This is perhaps the worst transfer, DNR-wise, I have ever, ever seen. It is shocking. It is depressing. It is upsetting. It makes you want to turn it off right away. It's, it is that bad. I'm not making any of that up. That's no you know, um, hype. That is just, it is god-awful. Someone in some in some 20th Century Fox studio during the, the transfer of this, some little work experience guy has been sitting there and they've said, you know, you know, Roger, you know, when you get a film of grain in, you know, you press that button there, that one with a DNR on it, and you keep your thumb wedged totally all the way in there. Who <laughs> misses? <laughs> and you don't stop. And, uh, well, he didn't. He didn't. There's, there's not one speck of grain on this. The waxy quality is, it's like, You've got, you know, 10 gallons, 10 foot worth of wax on people's faces. Close-ups are atrocious. Um, middle distance is shocking. The, the backgrounds, well, it is a mess from, you know, whatever you look at the screen, it's an absolute mess. Now, b- before I go any further, there are a couple of shots where I was sitting there thinking, now, the reason why, I've watched it a couple of times, to be honest, because my, my little lad, yes, he's not 18, but what the hell, um, he he loves it. He's relatively sorted at the moment, and he can't wait for the new film to come out. Not that he can go and see it, obviously, but you know, there's ways and means. Time to ring social services. <laughs> <laughs> well, he watched the original two disc yeah, DVD of it uh, only like during the week. I told him we were getting the Blu-ray, and he watched that. He loved it. I thought it was great, but it gave me a chance to watch, you know, that grainy, soft. Uh, indistinct, often blurry uh, transfer, which we all know and have lived with for you know donkey years. And then this thing turned up. Now, of course, I knew what, what to expect, but I kind of thought, well, it, it won't be that bad. Hopefully it's going to be, you know, the little devil on my shoulder was thinking, well, it's going to be sharper, isn't it? There was little bits. Maybe when you see um, Mac's head getting blown apart, you might see a bit more there. When you see Billy's ribcage, not ribcage, his spiral column getting yanked out, you might see a bit more there. You might see exactly what's happened to um, Hawkins. Shane Black, who plays Hawkins, wrote Lethal Weapon, by the way. I hope you all knew that. Um, when you see him hanging from the trees, I want to see a bit more of that. Well, do you? No, you don't. Because, you know, you've taken out the grain, but you've taken out absolutely every stick, every shred of texture and detail that this film could ever offer you. It is an absolute travesty, I've got to be honest. There's one or two shots there, as I think I was alluding to before, where... And they all involve Arnie's face. Arnie leaning in very close to the camera with his stubble, with his camo face paint on. Um, and I've got to be honest, I, I was, that looks, that looks good. You know, people are screaming now when they're going to hear that. But uh, when he, the absolute maximum close up of his face, it just, it seems to do a lot more pause, a lot more detail. But then it'll cut straight to some other guy who's just a smeared. Vaseline covered waxy mess, and it's awful. I mean, I can't even pick out worst moments because they're all terrible. They're nearly all terrible. Uh, Sound-wise, you know, you've got no argument. Uh, it never was the most. Although you think it'd be completely balls to the wall bombast, and you know, lost the DTS, you think it's, it's going to rock the house. Well, it, it's got moments, but it's you know, <laughs> the overkill moment where. Um, Blaine has been shot. Jesse Ventura has been um, wasted. And Mac stumbles across his body and sees the Predator cloaked, but sees his eyes glowing. And then unleashes a, you know, a torrent of lead in its direction. And then the most ridiculous sequence in any movie I've seen, but you love it. Everyone just joins it and unloads every bit of ammunition they've got. Grenades, you know, everything are going off. Like They've got no idea what they're firing at. Just because one mad guy's firing, they're all going to join in. Well, that, that scene's quite bombastic, yeah. That, that, that's okay. Various other explosions. The destruction of the guerrilla camp is pretty meaty. You've got some uh, rear support there. But the bit that I, I like most of all um, from the, the DC, the Lost's track, was um, 
when Arnie goes over the waterfall and he, he submerged in the water, you've got lots of bubbling underwater effects, you know, rippling behind you. And that, that was actually quite tasty. I quite enjoyed that. But that's another sequence which I should mention, um, where Arnie goes over the waterfall. Now, as, as everyone knows who, who've watched that movie, you know, um, the grainy version, warts and all, that's never looked good. It's always been really out of focus, really blurred. Well, you imagine now without the grain, the grain at least gave it some sense of depth and texture. This looks absolutely abysmal. I, I don't have the adjectives to describe how bad that and many other sequences really do look on this transfer. Um, I, I, cannot, I cannot recommend you buy this disc. I cannot. Uh, because the people who want this movie are the fans of that movie. And this is not the way they're going to want to see it. It looks staggeringly awful. Um, the extra features on it, I've not even gone through them all, um, but there's some new stuff on there. Obviously, you've got a sneak peek of the new Predators movie. How are we, fi- how are we fussed on this movie, guys? Is, any- is anyone really bothered about this movie? Other than my, my son, who can't go and see it. <laughs> well, I always really, really liked it. Um, I remember seeing the ad for it uh, on the telly during... Crikey, was it The Word or something? I forget what, what it was now. Very, very early that Channel 4. What? I said that ages you. I know. Seeing an advert on the word. Yeah, all right, all right. I, I meant you the know. new one, by the way. <laughs> the youngsters. Um, and I, I, in fact, went to the cinema to see it, and I remember distinctly, of course, um, <laughs> <laughs> down just around the corner, the ABC in Yule, which is now no longer even there. Um, and I really, really enjoyed it, and I have done since. Um, I remember viewing the, 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 the Blu-ray when it first came out on the, the MPEG-2. MPEG-2? Yeah, yeah. Well, looks faithful. Uh, but well, yeah. I mean, it, it, the picture was wasn't great, um, but it was at least it had you know the the, the detail there. That and this um, one is sad, lacking. The grain. The, the grain. grain. It had the grain. It had the detail. It was it was soft. Um, the film, didn't boost it? going on, but the, but that's what the film is. You know, if you look at all the incarnations that it's been through, DVDs and, and videos and and the the early Blu-ray. You know, they always are sort of dirty, grainy, nasty, sort of undetailed pictures. But, yeah. you know, it's never, ever going to be any better than that. Um, and to try and clean it up to make it look nice and shiny and high rate, high, high definition Blu-ray. To Sharp ramp up the and now, clean and vibrant. Colours are vibrant. Blacks are great. Yeah, but you see this on the forums all the time, this argument that, Oh, it's just too grainy. The, the the best one for this was Waterworld's recent release of that. Oh, yeah. And, and there's comments, not just on our forums, but other forums as well, about how grainy it looks and the grain spoils it and I want a cleaned-up version. And I, I think it's it's that attitude which, for some reason, is getting over at the studios and, and they're trying to take grain out. And um, I'm sorry, but the grain should be there. It's yeah. it, it was filmed on film. Why are film they listening to these people now? And not the ones who... Not the actual proper... Film fans who understand what they're talking about. Why don't they listen to those people? Well, the bloody filmmakers themselves. Even more vociferous in their arguments than the ones who are praising it. You know, the the, the directors and and the cinematographers. You know, these guys chose to film stock to give the <laughs> oh, film yeah, a particular guys. look. You know, For, forgot about them. Listen to them. Unfortunately, believe that anyone has sanctioned this. You know, to to to. to, to Fox just got hold of it and said, oh, it's not a problem. We'll just release this. We've, got, we've we released one with no extras. What we'll do now is we'll put all the extras together that we can get, but we'll tweak the, tweak the picture somewhat, but don't tell anyone and just let it go. But they're in your back. No, you really seen the thing that The question they're... about why the TVs come with the, a vivid mode on them. You know, <laughs> yeah. someone's so using they can it. sell them in the shops. Exactly. Someone must be using that, you know. Yeah. So Joe, Joe Public, you know, that, that the mass of, of Joe Public who um, do not even look at our site. They go into a shop. They remember that film from when he watched it on TV. Uh, oh, oh, that's Predator. It's on that Blu-ray, isn't it? Well, we've got one of those, haven't we, Jim? Let's, let's, let's buy a copy of that one. And they do. And they think, wow, that looks better than I've ever seen it before. Their accents change every second, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> but, no, you, there's, a of, hit, there's a lot of people in that house. A different accent. You've hit the <laughs> nail on the head there, Chris. <laughs> a hostel, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> you, ha- you have actually hit the nail on the head there because it's it's another thing that we see time and time again where um well it's my tv it's my projector i'll set it up how i like well yeah fair enough do that but um you're, you're yeah, absolutely ruining the effect of the film 
you're absolutely ruining the, the, the picture that you're going to get because it's, it's going to have clipped whites, it's going to have clipped blacks and, and all the rest of it. Um, As you said earlier, you've lost a reference point. Yeah. You, well, you know, you can't then say that red looks too red, this look, you know... You've, yeah. you've already skewed it so far that you can't really make any criticism of, of pictures in there. Yeah, exactly. But this is Joe Public, though. Joe Public couldn't give a toss. Joe no, Public they'll just never want, read our site or they, anyone else's site. They just want a nice, big, bright, colourful image that looks like a cartoon with everybody with plasticine faces. And can you really blame the studios for trying to, trying to release a film that, that's... You know, not taking the care on the film because Joe Public's just going to watch it in vivid mode with plasticine faces anyway. So let's make you know Arnold look like a plasticine model. Can you? The key really question argue is: that? Is this the kind of disc that you'd see playing in you know a major store or the like to show off Blu-ray? And the sad fact uh, is, I can hmm. I can see this. I can see this eminently being used as a disc to to show off Blu-ray. Well, I really can. You know, when when you've got yeah. bright overhead lights and the and the like, and you've got a TV that's you know set up terribly, then this is the kind of disc people will say, "Oh, brilliant! I saw no grain in it." <laughs> I, I, I can't help but, but view it, um, you know, the way I see things, and it looks just shocking. Um, it doesn't look real. Motion doesn't look right on it because um, you have no depth, you have no texture, so actual movement doesn't seem realistic it seems overly processed and digitized it's a mess it's an absolute abhorrent mess sorry but the thing that always gets me with uh uh too much dnr is is usually maybe it's just me thinking this but it when you look at like um an actor's lips it usually ends up you lose any kind of uh extra detail around them and it usually ends up looking like uh actors are wearing lipstick and the like no, no, it's no, not no it's, it's not just you. It, but, but the thing comes back to this thing that, uh, unfortunately, the the bad thing about Blu-ray is that uh, against DVD, it is going to represent grain. You are going to see more grain um, because it gives you that that higher resolution. And yeah. this is what is confusing people. People are, that maybe don't know uh, or don't know better are picking up these discs and saying. Yeah, but it was really noisy. I think there's something wrong with my TV. It was it was loads of really grainy picture and all the rest of it. Well, hang on a minute. And unfortunately, a bit like trying to get people to set up their, their TVs and their projectors properly, trying to tell people that that grain's supposed to be there and yes. that's how it's, it's supposed it, to look, yeah. is it, it, it's a losing battle. It's a battle you're never going to win because Joe Public knows best and if they don't like it, they're not going to buy it. Just before I come on to another little thing about, about Predator, uh, you mentioned the grain and how it is highlighted and you know, blown up even more by the high-res process. Um, having reviewed and looked at uh, the film Django, Blue Underground's Django and City of Living Dead, these are both the Blue Underground ones, not the uh, UK Arrow version of City of Living Dead, which looks a bit different. Um, the, the grain is, uh, is bizarre. It's absolutely bizarre. On Django, um, it, it is absolutely, it's frozen and it looks highlighted and shockingly vivid it looks as though you are looking through um, a, f- a fencer's mask it, it, i've never seen, never encountered anything quite like it before and again i tried to do a lot of research on that and no one seemed to know what it was so how was that film well, well that sounds that sounds like a uh, that sounds like a process it's been added in to try and well the the thing was people were saying and you know what I kind of acknowledged it, but I wasn't saying this is what's happened because I don't know what's happened, and I still don't know what's happened, and I've still been looking at it. That someone had said it's been DNR'd, and then they've gone in, they've realised they've taken too much out, and they've gone in and tried to put grain in, and it's become frozen and highlighted, and it does look bizarre, it does look weird, it doesn't look right. So you know, it, but, but you see, <laughs> this, it, it, it can it can go both ways. The grain can look absolutely horribly wrong as well. But you no, see, the, the, the thing with that is that, that grain um, doesn't follow any pattern. It doesn't follow any, um, uh, what's the word? Uniformity. Well, it, it, yeah, it, it's not uniform. It's grain, random. Grain is random. This is where this is different because it is. This is specific. It is like, you know those... Um, Surely it can't be grain. Those, it's like it's a toys where grain. you put your hand through it and it, it, leaves, it pushes the pins out. Oh, yeah. That's how it looks. It looks like one of those. Yeah. It's not every single scene. But it, it's there far too often. Django is horrifically bad for that. Um, the Blue Underground, City of Living Dead, 
has elements of it um, in certain um, misty sequences and dark sequences, but um, it's a lot better overall than Django. Django looks. Django can look fantastic as well. It's, this is the frustrating thing about some of these transfers of films that you've been looking forward to. And it's funny how they always tend to be really low-budget movies as well, which really are plagued by bizarreties like this. Because like, people think, well, hang on a minute, no one's even, only a few people are going to buy this, so what the hell? I don't know how it's meant to look. Let's just, oh, let's just do that. That looks pretty, doesn't it? Imagine that on a nine-foot screen. Well, well, well it's look the, bloody horrific. The, the thing that they used to do to get around that when, when they were encoding DVD was, was to take out the higher frequencies. You know, the ultimate mm. high, high frequencies, roll them off. So then you're not using encoding uh, memory to, to encode the grain. Um, and it seems that, that some Blu-ray series, when they come to encoding stuff, they're doing their best to try and get rid of of this grain. And sometimes that is either taking a lot of the high frequency out of there or DNR in it and, and you know, uh, making everything look plasticine and, and unreal. It's a shocking look. But before we, before we move on, um, we were talking about wire removal before. Well, there's a sequence in Predator, which, you know, if you're fans, you know exactly what I'm going to talk about now. When um, Carl Weathers gets his arm blown off and the Predator starts its, its, its epic run round to go and slice and dice him. And he tries to get his, his other MP5 off his shoulder and the camera spins around him. And you see quite clearly, and it's been on every version and, you know, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, completely anal here, but it was spotable even on the theatrical print as well. Because I remember at the time Starburst, you know, reported it quite liberally. And then I saw the movie and, yeah, you know, looking for it. So, yeah, I saw it then in the flicks. And it became quite famous. Um, every uh, VHS version and, you know, the first DVD version that came out, it was quite clearly there. TV broadcast had it there. It's not there now. You know, you, you, you could see his, the fake severed arm, which was blown off, and then tucked in behind that with his real arm, strapped down there. You only saw it for a split second, but it was there. And once you clocked it, it was always, you always saw it. And it became a thing that you'd always look for. Uh, that's gone. That is completely gone. Now, is this a bad thing? It is a good thing. Uh, obviously, they didn't want you to see it. The wiry move of the harpies, that sort of thing. Uh, they weren't meant to be there. Carl Weathers' real arm showing that, you know, this guy <laughs> either had three arms to begin with. You know, <laughs> um, you know, should it be there? Should it not be there? And it's it's funny how they've done it because it's quite convincing as well. You know, I think the, the previous DVD version, you can't see it on that either, the double disc one. You can't see it on that. You can't see it on this. So I don't, like, you can't blame the Blu-ray transfer for that. It's, it's already, this is, a, this is a print they've already had, which has had it been, it's been doctored out of. What are your thoughts on that? Do you remember? Do you know the bit I mean? Well, Have I'm you just, spotted it? Well, can I just ask what Starburst is? It's oh, um, uh, it was a well, I think it's still going. It's um, a movie magazine, you know, right. specialising in sci-fi and horror and fantasy. Oh, it was going enough. when I was a kid. It was going from like the the late seventies till. Well, if it's not still going now, it only, it would have only folded recently. <laughs> And say the only Starburst I know used to be opal fruit, so I was a little yeah. bit lost there. <laughs> well, th- it didn't taste quite as nice as those. Oh, but, uh, fair enough. It was a great, great magazine. I can't be anyone who knows that one. <laughs> Surely no, it's got to collect it. But, it's um, probably just for the old timers. Oh, Marky Mark, you. <laughs> so, just to wrap up our podcast uh, this month, we're going to move on and uh, look at a, a more recent uh, movie. And uh, Mark's going to tell us all about that Astro Boy. Ah uh, yes, Astro Boy, fantastic film. I, it's it's not going to please everyone. I doubt a bit like as Chris was saying about you know some traditionalists, uh, those who who loved the original TV series and and before that the the manga that pretty much gave rise to the modern style of of um, manga. Uh, it's just good fun. It's an animated film, so it, you, you're never expecting a great amount of drama or a great amount of emotion in there. And the only real uh, flaws with it are where it's tried to deviate from the original basic Pinocchio story of, of a scientist creating a, a almost a clone, another version of his son in robotic form, and where you can almost hear the, the American executives throwing in a a kooky female character and other than that it's you know it's 
it's fast paced it's got um great action sequences and it's just it's good family fun end of let <laughs> me good. see chris that's how we do a review um yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've not seen astro boy mate um so i really i really can't comment see the, I thing the trailer is, where he says like you've got i've got guns going out my butt <laughs> what i was about to say was that trailer does it absolutely no good that sequence just makes you think i mean it made me think that it was going to be god awful that yeah. it was going to be you know sassy americanized yeah, taking yeah. a good it, it japanese st- staple of of japanese culture you know so many tv series and and manga basically came out of that artistic style and just taking that and and ripping it to shreds with lots of sassy characters that really aren't even funny and and when you see you know the director David Bowers, who who I think co-directed Flushed Away. Track record's not great by any means, but it's at 90 minutes long. It's not over long, and it it just comes across almost as three episodes of the TV series, and it basically ends with him becoming the hero. It's it's almost like a kind of Batman Begins of Astro Boy. It's, it's, yeah, it's very good. I heard there was, um, is there some kind of um, tragedy and, you know, I don't know, sadness to the movie as well there's a dark yeah. element to it yeah there is it's it's in you know, i mean it's it's more emotional than perhaps you might expect dealing with kind of the loss of a child you never really associate that with with animated fare so it's perhaps a bit more bambi-esque in that manner but it's it's one of those kind of slight coming of age tale mixed in with a, a little bit of action mixed in with some humor in there but the you know the supporting cast when you've got Nicolas Cage and you've got um Matt Lucas and the like it's fairly high caliber stuff in in terms of voice acting it's not always the the biggest names but people like Bill Nighy add a real weight to it yeah that it, it might have lacked if they'd gone more mainstream for the you know the Eddie Murphy sassy character that well, always Bill, was. Bill's done animated movies before, hasn't he? He's voiced um, a few things before this, but he is a, he's, a, he's a good character actor and character voice as well. Yeah. So is it um what, what what's what's the sound quality like on this? Is it a bombastic sort of thing? It looks again from the trailer, it looks like it's got you know, a fair bit of action to it as well. Yeah, it's 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 slightly misleading in many ways as i say it's almost episodic like it's three episodes coming together so so you have action sequences in there but it's not strictly an action film so much it's it focuses a lot more on uh this young clone of of the scientist's son basically the the pinocchio figure trying to find a place for himself in the world and he gets in various scrapes and hijinks along the way and actually looking at the deleted scenes, they in fact took out one fairly major action sequence that actually works. It, 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 it aids the film no end by taking out this, this section that basically would have completely derailed the human element. It's a right. family film and, and it's never going to have a great weight to it. But as an update of Astro Boy, it may deviate in some places with a bit of a slight preachy kind of left-wing eco moral message about a throwaway society and the like but other than that it it's yeah it's a perfect update and for anyone who wanted to see astro boy and you know metro city in glorious cg it's an absolute treat and uh, oh. one thing with animated films these days and it's a question i'll always ask is does it play well to to the audience the the adult audience rather than just the kids i mean is there is there the the humour and so on there for for an adult audience? I'd say that there's enough to keep them going. I mean, it's uh, you know you always come back to. I mean, for me, the the standard is still the original Toy Story. I know a lot of people like Toy Story too, but for me, Toy Story it it spans so many different markets, and it was a type of film that you'd be happy watching. You know, you you could leave the kids at home and go and watch it. It, it was so good. This has enough humour, as I say, from Matt Lucas with this uh, robotic revolutionary front, three kind of hapless robots attempting to um, strike back against their evil human uh, dominators by tickling someone with a feather and that kind of thing. It, it's Always works. Yeah, oh yeah. It's silly, 
and there there's enough humour just to keep adults or parents occupied. <laughs> but really, it, it's got to be someone who has a slight nostalgia for Astro Boy to to actually get the the full value from watching it with the kids. So really, I should be allowing my son to watch Astro Boy and not Predator. <laughs> yeah, I think you'd enjoy it if if you look past. I mean, that line I've got machine guns coming out of my butt yeah. it's the most cringeworthy line in the entire thing and should never have been in the trailer but by the end it ends on a really good note and it it, it leaves me really wanting to see they'll whether they'll come up with a sequel do you think they will i, I really hope they will because it it ends you know in a typical almost like batman begins you know it's it's right. the birth of a hero so uh, has it been popular enough Oh, I don't know. It, you know, it's another one of those cases where an update, a bit like with removing wires and the like, you're you're messing with a proven formula, and so you get a certain amount of people who remember the original who sniffed it, a certain amount of the new market coming towards it, who don't have enough nostalgia to really appreciate it. So it, it's it's falling mm. a little bit in the middle. It's sitting on a, yeah, sitting on the fence a little bit. Oh, it's, it's, it sounds good from what you said there. I'd, um, I wouldn't mind picking that up myself. For him, obviously not for me. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and how does the disc look, Mark? I mean, uh, you know, animation always looks good on Blu-ray, but um, how how's it been done? Is it good? The disc is pretty much exactly what you'd expect from a CG affair. It's 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 got surprisingly subtle colours to it. I, I was expecting something a lot more garish in line with the original TV series, but it's there's a lot of uh, a lot of um, finesse in the in the in the colors it stays very stable and it's like pretty much every major modern cg film you know it's pretty much reference quality it it's it it is a fantastic picture and there's just enough you know subtle blurring and the like to to give it a, a good depth and so it's not one of those films where you can see everything in the background absolutely pin sharp which tends to in my view, a lot of people may like that kind of thing, but it, it just flattens the image too much for me. This, yeah. is, this has got a, a, almost a filmic quality to it. It's clearly been done by people who, who have a certain appreciation for the original material and want it to look you know, as good as possible. Oh, that's good. You, you, yeah, you can't see fair on that, mate. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> you sound totally uninterested, Chris. Did I? <laughs> no, the thing is, I, 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 this is one that I avoided, and... Um, that did sound bad, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was all ready to slate it. I really <laughs> yeah, I was all ready to slate it. It was one of those that I was just fully expecting to be able to say, the Americans have ruined another classic. You know, it's they've taken something. But in my view, I mean, I may be fairly uh, in a fairly small club in actually liking the update to uh, Speed Racer by the Wachowskis. But I, I Ooh, think I it, enjoyed that. Hey, I yeah, love that. It, it hits all the it's right great. notes. It's exactly like an update, a live-action version of the cartoon. You can't complain. You can't say, well, it doesn't have deep enough characters. The original didn't, you know. It's, mm. it's just a, a fun update. That's all it is, all it aims to be, and it, it hits every target perfectly. So, what about the end of the seven, eh? Yes. Mm. All right, right. Yeah, untainted unbiased he hasn't been primed or coached by any of you yeah let's go go on what what what, right. what go on. What, what's the what's the crux who, of this who are the final here's a question right plain and simple who are the final two victims in seven what are the last two sins okay and who are it, the people who it's uh, envy and wrath is it not yeah and who are the people who are the envy, bodies envy is john doe because he yeah. and well, yeah, he says, doesn't he? I envy yeah. the the what is it, the quiet life or whatever, whatever the hell it is. Like, um, and he knows he's made a mistake, so he then realizes he's got to go. Um, so he's going to have to create another victim. So what he does, he annoys, annoys. <laughs> that's slightly <laughs> mildly annoying. I'm going to cut the head off your pregnant wife. I'm <laughs> <laughs> stuff it in a box. Um, yeah, it's it's highly contrived, but it's enormously elaborate and fabulous at the same time. Yeah, I'm Envy. Oh, I'm a sinner. You've got to take me out. I need to create another one. So 
I'm going to kill your wife, cut her off, put it in a box, and you're going to see that, and then you're going to... Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was in character there. <laughs> you're... <laughs> you're, then you're, you're going to kill me, and then you're going to be wrath, and then I've completed my seven. Am I right? I think I'm right, aren't I? Well, that's pretty much what I came to, just a little bit different, but it certainly doesn't count the baby as one, which is what they've all been saying. Oh, are you meant to count them? What's the baby? What's, what's... No, you don't count the baby as anything. That's what no, they've all been saying, no. and then cruelly editing me in the podcast to make it sound as if I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, the <laughs> conspiracy. Yeah. It, it's, Mark, you know, Mark, the baby's what, like what a... is going to get a package tomorrow. Yeah. The baby's just... And, it, and it'll, be, it'll be the one's head. <laughs> yeah. The baby's just an extra. It's like a, a point one. Or... Just an extra? Like 7.1. Oh, genius. Yeah, you, you buy seven, you get one free, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and before we, we finish uh, for this month's podcast, uh, reviews podcast, Chris, you missed out on the news section, the last podcast, and uh, we had a bit of monkey news. 1933, oh. King Kong, coming to Blu-ray. Yeah. Does that excite yeah. you, son? Uh, does it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was going to do a big monkey impression there, but I thought, no, 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 better not. It, yeah, one of the, the, the greatest films ever made. It still stands up today as absolute excellence. From narrative point of view, from acting point of view, from the effects, the effects are superlative. Glass plates, deep, lush jungles. It's absolutely tremendous, tremendous. I love the movie. Um, yeah, can't wait for it. <laughs> Was that enthusiastic enough? Good. I love it. Yeah, that, 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 should, that should look fantastic. I mean, you're going to have a lot of input from Peter Jackson as well, aren't you, on this one? And is it true they're, they're reinstating some scenes? A, a, it's going to be the uncut version, I know that. Are you putting in the, um, the spider sequence? Because there was rumours about that taking place. Now, you know, that's contentious. There there you go. How are they going to do that? Because it was only only exists now in stills. But, of course, Peter Jackson actually filmed it, didn't he? So is there going to be a version on that disc with his, his added sequence put back in? Hopefully not. Hopefully it will be an extra. Yeah. extra or seamless branched or something. Yeah, but yeah, Kong, Kong is still king. Right, folks, uh, because I've been that busy with a lot of movies at the moment, um, I've seen to have neglected the, um, the score reviews for a short while, uh, and it, it seems to have coincided with a, a rather magnificent period for releases as well. Um, some real gold dust has been coming out. Now, rest assured, I'm going to cover these in depth, but I'm, I'm going to tell you about them now because they're obviously, a lot of them are limited. Now, it's been a good, good month. Well, June was a good month for Star Trek releases. You had the expanded release of Star Trek Three from James Horner, which is from Retrograde FSM, which was they did Star Trek Two about a, well, a good few months ago. Fabulous release, and this is on, on a par with that. You also have the fans cried out for it, and Michael Giacchino's full complete score for the new Star Trek movie has come out in a deluxe edition from Veres Sarabandi, a double disc one. Uh, it's in a Blu-ray sized case with lots of glossy photos inside. You also have, and these are two absolute um, holy grails for myself and a lot of people. I actually lo- lobbied to get this one released. It's Morris Yard's complete score for Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. I'm going to give that the umph degree when I come to review that. That's a double disker again. And you have Jerry Goldsmith's outstanding score for at the film Outland. Again, that's a double disker. Now, what these discs have both done, they have they incorporate um, alternates and uh, outtakes and bonus tracks. But they also, as well as a complete score, they, can, they actually have the, um, the original album releases, which were different and designed by the composers to sound different and you know, give a different feel. So they are absolutely um, you know, top banana. <laughs> They're brilliant, brilliant releases. I'm going to give them the, the full works when I get the time. But those of you who are in the know, um, they're released. They're very limited, so get your orders in quick. Excellent stuff. Thanks very much, Chris, and uh, nice to see you again on the podcast. Nice to be here. Excellent. So we're going to move on and uh, wrap up this month's podcast, but do come back and see us again at the start of uh, August, and uh, we're going to do our next news roundup. So all I need to do now is thank Chris, Mark, and Simon. Thanks, guys. 
Thanks Thank much. you. And don't forget, if you've got any questions, queries, or comments, you can add them to the feedback forum under this podcast in the podcast forum, or you can send us an email to podcast at avforums.com. This is Phil Hinton saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. The AV Podcast was presented by Phil Hinton. Original music by Andrew Bassett and Richard Cosgrove. The AV Podcast was mixed and produced by Phil Hinton, and the senior producer was Stuart Wright. All content, including sound clips and music, is copyright material and featured for promotional use only. The AV Podcast is copyright M2M Limited.